So, hi everybody. Welcome to Side Talks. Corey is out of town this week, so we're changing the name this week from Side Talks to the Sidewalk Shit Show. That's right. And because I'm here. Charlie Sanders, not, not just because of that, but because Dad's out of town. So, Charlie Sanders, who... We can do what we want. Party, party, party. Boop, 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 boop. Anyway, we're just going to do that for the next 45 minutes. You'll love it. It's going to um, be great. This is, no, this is the episode where we either gain two listeners or lose two, and that's a huge percentage of who's listening. So, um, anyway, Charlie Sanders, do you want to introduce yourself? Say a couple things. Sure. I'm, I'm Charlie Brown Sanders III. I am a features programmer for Sidewalk Film Festival, and I have been doing that for a while. And I am Rachel Morgan. I am the creative director, and welcome to the podcast where we talk about all things cinema. Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute round one fight. So here we are in the studio, and I am not sitting across from Corey. What? I'm usually looking at Van across this beautiful window to my right that nobody listening can see. From behind the glass. But Corey is in New York City, City, and so Van's joining me to argue today. A I five, am happy. Five-minute fight? Yeah. Five-minute fight. Because see, of something inflammatory you said on the last episode or yes. two episodes ago that I thought was outrageous. It was like poking a bear with a stick. Mm-hmm. That's what I saw. I get it. So we'll start the clock. Can somebody out there start the clock for us? Van, you normally start the clock. Oh, crap. There's an app for that somewhere. Count it off. That's so dramatic. We're arguing about Ma. Rachel, I thought that we would have a lot in common. I mean, even like the first time that you came in to start recording. And it turns out we have very little in common when it comes to a lot of films, I think. But this one especially. Now, I also hmm. want to say that 13 years ago today, I got married. Yeah. So with that comes so many, so many things that I've learned, like to be respectful and to listen to what you're going to say and to not try to fix it, but just maybe hear your heart song. Okay. So you want me to talk about Ma? Hell yeah, man. You're gonna, okay. So, but you're telling me, unlike Corey, you're going to listen? A little bit. Okay, I'm just kidding. I mean, Corey does listen. He just talks a lot. Good. Um, so I didn't like this film, Ma. I, I mean, maybe I'm wording this incorrectly. Let me try to get through this quick because it's only a five-minute fight. But, um, you know, it's. I thought it was mediocre at best. Um, I thought it was really phoned in. I thought that it had some really amazing moments. Um, spoiler alert, but when she runs over the lady and then listens to, you know, September, that's a great Dude, moment. that was beautiful. It was lovely. I loved that. It was beautiful to watch. Um, and I really like her video. I like her like, don't make me drink alone. That's all awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so many good things in this film, and yet so many bad things in this film. The storyline's weak. The script is weak. It's almost as if they they were like, ah, we don't really need to workshop this. We've got the, we've got everything in order here for a hit. Let's just make it. Let's just spend five minutes around a table, and then we'll go do it. I, yeah. And I think they executed that kind of process pretty damn good for just getting what kids drinking at the at the store. Not a not a huge thing that I w- that threw me off to think like yeah. that's not going to happen. But when kids are sitting in the van, this is the thing that bothered me the most. But I really did like it. Sitting in the van, smoking pot 
and drinking outside of the store. I thought, hell no, man. The cops would be there in a heartbeat. You're just arguing totally my side. That part I did. That bothered me. <laughs> Everything else, though, I was just like, man, Octavia, she's got these beautiful eyes. Yeah. And anything that she says, whether it's happy or sad, like, I, I can feel that emotion. Agreed. And Taylor Tate, the director, yeah. directed her in The Help, too. Right. And I think he wanted to have her be evil, and he just gave her that opportunity to be a psycho, a beautiful, crazy messed up psycho that got screwed over and is just taking out that bloody revenge one person's child at a time yeah that was good i mean i like that premise that's not exactly how it played out for me it played out as uncommitted it played out as like uh, you that's part of like what you love about it is part of what frustrates me about it right yeah they've got octavia spencer they've got a great premise like i'm sold on this trailer i watched this trailer and i'm like oh my god there's so much subtext it's a magnificent trailer yeah and you could just dive into so much subtext here i mean you've got a woman who's non-white you know living through this sort of trauma in high school and being able to sort of revisit that and and at moments a sympathetic character right there's a moment when there's yeah. sort of still bullying happening with her and you feel this like wh- why can't those moments sort of why can't we dig into those moments more instead of just being like okay next scene next scene it just feels like a cop out well i gotta say it is more of a teen scream than it is you know yeah uh, what was the the good one with tony collette that freaked everyone out oh hereditary, um, hereditary that yeah, yeah. genius movie this isn't genius but it's a fun watch i mean it's got great goal hmm. just again hitting that lady with the car didn't even expect that to happen and i saw it in the trailer and then i forgot about it was like oh yeah i mean and again it has these peaks but there's so many weaknesses it does very much feel like a film to me that look that feels like a rough cut and not even just a film that feels like a rough cut because i do i will just go ahead and say i think the editing is weak um but i'll really yeah i'll go a step further and say that i really do think that they just sort of rushed production is what it feels like and they and they had the start like this is a great working script right like this script could have been workshop to be something really really good yeah and i just feel like blumhouse is just like no because if we do that that means we can't get these next two out as you know quick enough and so it feels like a damn cop out you know that's how how the latest and not jumping back but when we we disagreed first on halloween the remake i kind of felt that way about that was just thinking Mm. what a snoozer boy they just screwed the end of that script but this i think is just a great saturday afternoon horror film my god Rachel, did, did I just convince you? I think you might be right. Oh man, I think I'm going to win this one. Oh, just this here. is this is hard to admit, but yeah, you might be actually have convinced me that it's not a great film. It's a good film, though. Right? I'd see it again at the theater. Okay. I would. I'd I would see not. it twice. I would not. I think I'm done with this film. Never again, huh? And so, no, I don't think so. And it's okay. such a shame because, I mean, again, you've got a brilliant lead actor. You've got Octavia Spencer. Mm-hmm. What the heck? And you've got this great premise. So, But now I don't even know what to do here because, I mean, Corey would never, ever, ever just acknowledge that I was right. Well, I had even done so much <laughs> research and I was sitting there watching the trailer thinking, ha, zing. Yeah, now, okay, oh, I'm, I think I'm going to have to uh, join the losers of the Seven Kingdoms and just, uh, I'm going to have to forfeit. God, Corey's never... I'm never going to be on the... Actually, you'd let me back on here again. Yeah, Corey's maybe you should argue with Corey, though. Maybe a, that's what we should do. Redux and okay. you argue with Corey. Because you, you... Yeah, you may not... I'm a terrible Corey. Yeah, I kinda. feel like I failed this chair. <laughs> and technically, this is my chair. I mean, my actual chair from my studio. But, uh, well, Rachel, thank you for having me. What a delight to get yeah. shamed on your show. Well, thank you wow. so much for arguing with me. No, thank you. Does Sam even need to weigh in on this? I, I Sam's shaking his head no. God. <laughs>
I'm going to go drink motor oil out of the car. Well, don't make me drink alone. I won't. Hi there. Hi. So Mark Adam Miller is joining us here in the studio today for a brief interview. And uh, would you tell me a little bit, Mark Adam, about what your organization is? Um, I'm a member of what is called the USS Hephaestus. Uh, We are the Star Trek fan club of Birmingham, Alabama. And that club is part of a bigger club called Starfleet International uh, that has about 5,000 members uh, across the world. That's a lot of people. Yeah. So um, I met you actually originally because I was I just happened to walk past Kingdom Comics and saw a little flyer stuck on the door that there was going to be a talk about Short Circuit. And Short Circuit is um, I just thought, wow, well, that's going to be an interesting conversation. And I also kind of can't believe that folks are, are sitting around a table talking about Short Circuit, but darn, I'm going to go to this thing. And so that's where we met. Um, and then I found out that really your first love is Star Trek. Correct. But you do like all sci-fi. All sci-fi. Yes. Um, about three years ago, well, let me take it back. Four years ago, uh, we used to have a business meeting, and we had it at Kingdom Comics. And it wasn't being well attended, so we sort of cut that out just for our social, which is on the second Saturday of the month. Uh, but I noticed that we weren't getting any new members, and it seemed to me that people were a little afraid to have come to somebody's house that they did not know. Sure. So I came up with this idea that um, why don't we do – panels like they do at conventions because people uh when we do when we've done conventions we've gotten a couple people through that way and uh the owner of the store uh mr daniel uh was willing enough to let us come in again so we started doing a panel a month uh on the fourth thursday of the month uh doing star trek themes episodes uh concepts um talking about robots talking about that and to bring other people in, uh, because uh, our club is just not Star Trek. Uh, we have many different people. I wanted to bring other people of sci-fi and fantasy in. Right. So we started on the second Thursday doing other things other than Star Trek. Beyond uh, Trek is what you call it, right? Yeah, Beyond Trek. And so we started doing, you know, we did Star Wars. We've done uh, – the first one we did was uh, – uh, when you mail, my mind would blank. Uh, it's the one with Gord in it. <laughs> The one with what in it? Gort. Klaatu and Gort. Um, the day the year stood still. Gotcha. And we did the 1953 version, not the not the Tom Cruise one, <laughs> or Kenneth Reeves one, uh, because that one's not uh, appreciated that much, uh, but the original one. <laughs> so uh, we, and we've spread out through a de- several different ones, and of course, uh, someone suggested short circuit at our December uh, meal. We at the end of the year, uh, we normally get together at some restaurant and decide what we did wrong, what we did right, and right. then decide what we uh, come up with for the ne- uh, following year to s- have some ideas so that we're not sitting around the table thinking, okay, what do we want to do next week? Right, right. <laughs> and so short circuit comes up. Yeah, short circuit. As it does. Yeah. Uh, it, you, you end up talking about robots. Um, 
and the different actors that come into it. So it's certain segues always happen. And right. of course, uh, when you start talking about robots, Johnny Five is going to come up no matter what you do. No matter what. <laughs> so let me ask you this. You, again, first love being Star Trek. And we talked mm-hmm. a little bit over email. And I can, had a confession to you that I'm, I'm not a huge Star Trek fan. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the fans that love Star Trek. I appreciate the commitment. Um, of certainly of that of, of that enterprise, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, but what is it about Star Trek that you love so much? I think um, because mainly when I was growing up, um, it was a situation that I was into sci-fi, I was a nerd, and was not accepted. And Star Trek, in its essence, is trying to show that we need to accept everybody for what they are. Uh, the concepts comes from the the Vulcans, who, if you don't know the Vulcans, that's uh, Spock. Um, there's a concept in it called IDIC, I-D-I-C, which means infinite diversity and infinite com- combinations. That's hard to say. <laughs> uh, which means that there's so, so much diversity, but we can do it in all, many, all, all these different combinations. And our club is like that. Right. Uh, we have Firefly people. We have uh, Star Wars people. Uh, we have... Uh, um, I want to say war games, but it's not war games. It's the World of Warcraft people. Right. Even though war games is a great film, too. Yeah, war games. Uh, we'll probably talk about I just watched that just recently, believe it or not. Uh, interesting how that comes up. Um, actually, there is one interesting time uh, that I always recall. There's one member of our group who is a big Bonanza fan. Uh, Lauren How Green. does that fit in? Well, <laughs> uh Technically, there are several actors from Star Trek that were in it. Okay. Uh, Leonard Nimoy was in it. James Doohan was in it. Um, crossover. Yeah, it's a crossover. They're not playing their characters. They're a different sure. character, but it's those actors. Uh, just the beginning of this month, um, the second Thursday, uh, we did uh, all the Star Trek actors who appeared in Star uh, in Twilight Zone. Because right. there's two episodes with William Shatner. George Takei is in a very good one. Uh, Leonard Nimoy even though it's a bit part, he's a communications officer uh, on a frontline uh, Vietnam. Uh, well, would have been probably would have been. Well, I guess it was World War Two. I'm <laughs> one of the wars. Well, it was World War Two because this was uh, late 1950s, and we hadn't been. Right. To, uh, we may have just gotten out of Korea on that one, but I think they were fighting the Japanese at this point in time. So. Um, uh, he was just a communications officer, but he's in the background. And then there's one with James Dillon in it. Right. So, and then, but there's other ones that are lesser known. They were in one episode of Star Trek, but they were also in an episode of Twilight Zone. They were these core cast members that you know at the in the 1960s started losing it. But a lot of studios had their um, group of people that was under right. contract to them, and they would give them certain parts. And so you, that's why you sure. get all these different p- people for fan, you know, Fantasy Island, Love Boat. Um, I'm trying to think. There's several different ones like Fantasy Island where they'd have some major star that you knew. Right. They're just in a part. And the reason they're in that is because they they belong to that studio. Sure. And so this is a man. This is a rabbit hole. Right. Oh, that. Well, that's what you get when you get Star Trek. <laughs> and do you do you uh, dislike being called a Trekkie or is that no, acceptable? No. Uh, for a while, I uh, went by um, Trekker until I because someone told me that Trekkie. Uh, for the longest time, it was believed to be coined by uh, uh, the guy who wrote Famous Monsters, which for some reason has escaped my memory right now, but Forrest J. Ackerman. Uh, it was believed that he he took 
pride in coining it. Right. But uh, it has come out to be that actually that was Gene Roddenberry's term, and he's the one who really did coin the term Trekkie. And so I revel in that. So acceptable then. Yeah. Um, but then again, with uh, with Trekkies, you're going to get all types. Sure. So some uh, people might object to that yeah, term. Yeah, some will. Uh, some will go by the term Trekker. Um, because they don't, they don't, they feel the Trekkie is the. Uh, it sounds cute. Yeah, it's a cute, cutesy, fancy, uh, going uh, beetle crazed fan. Gotcha. Uh, where the Not trekker, serious enough. Yeah, where Trekker is the serious, down to earth, and he's going <laughs> to. And if you run into a Trekker, most likely. If you ask him how does the warp drive, he's going to give you the whole nine yards of how the warp drive works. <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm going to try not to ask that question <laughs> just because I want to, you know, be conscious of time. True. So, let me ask you this: Is it just sci-fi, or is it? Do you are you a genre fan in general, or is there a genre you don't like? Um, I am mostly fan uh, science fiction. Uh, I read Isaac Asimov. I read Robert Heinlein, uh, Arthur C. Clarke, um, Lester Del Rey, which is the biggies. H.G. Uh, Wells and Jules sure. Verne have to be thrown into there. Uh, so you, there is that. Uh, I have read J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, to me, it's it's really good stuff. If you want to plow through that, but you have almost have to have a score sheet to remember who all the characters are with that. But this all sounds like sci-fi. So, is there any any genre outside of that, um, or are you just strictly a sci-fi person? Well, not really, because I I like westerns. Okay. Which, of course, Star Trek is a western per se. True. Firefly was a western. Uh, I <laughs> hate to admit this, but I go for a chick flick every once in a while. Uh, I like Sleepless in Seattle. Um, uh, There's probably some crossover in those yeah. two, and uh, that um, sleepless in Santa. I can't think. Um, Meg Ryan. Uh, I cannot think what else she and Tom Hanks did. <laughs> they did many, many things together. Yeah, there, there's like three or four different ones there, and every um, we you've got mail. Right. So um, you've got that. Well, that's got a computer in it, so kind of sci-fi. Well, it, well, see. <laughs> and, well, the thing is, I probably. Uh, you got mail is very uh, personal to me is because I worked at a bookstore. I gotcha. am a bookstore person, in a sense, a slight by trade. Uh, I worked for. Um, I started out at Books and Company, which is a subsidiary of Books a Million. Right. And then uh, they moved me down here to open one similar called Books and Company, which was at uh, the Brookwood Mall for a while. Okay. And well, you so, know what? This is a great lead-in because so. actually the next question I was going to ask you was. Actually, kind of a little bit of a sad question, so forgive me for this. Um, but Kingdom Comics is closing. Yes, uh, Kingdom, Clo- Kingdom Com- Comic closed on the last Friday of the month. And so this is a thing where we're seeing this happen, of course, across the country. A lot of comic book stores, like a lot of small businesses, are closing yeah. up. And so, you know, I mean, it's even you see this even represented in film sometimes. So what is that like, and where are you guys going to go, and, and what does that mean to you? Um, it's sad in... Uh, uh, situation because uh, it uh, we lose a place where um, where like I call you know uh, most blue collar workers would go to a bar like in Cheers sure. where everybody knows you where does a nerd go a comic book store that's right. where everybody knows your name and the whole nine yards there right. uh, type of thing uh, so we don't have that type of situation uh, there's other ways that uh, Mr. Daniel's going to work on trying to 
uh, still help his customers out, um, which hopefully he does well, and I uh, wish him well. For us, uh, we are working to trying to do a couple different things. Uh, the past meeting for June, we uh, went to Barnes and Nobles at the summit, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, did well there. Uh, the only problem was we could not set up the um, video t- ch- chat on that because it was just not uh, a good place to get a good yeah. video shot. Also, just like corporate, you know, corporate industry versus small business, so it's yeah. tough, right? Uh, yeah, and I uh, I talked with the person. They were not. They felt well, but it was not a situation where we could actually reserve some place and stuff, do sure. stuff like that. Uh, what we're looking to right now is the Pelham Public Library, which m- excites me because uh, I think our public libraries uh, don't get the recognition that they need right. or should deserve, real per se. So uh, I hope this will we'll be able to bring them something, and that working with them that will only also help the community by showing how the Pelham Public Library helps the Pelham right. community, or Shelby County in sure. particular. The public library is a yeah. very important so. resource. And so, and we also talked a little bit, there's potential that we might be able to partner a little bit on the sidewalk cinema once we open the right. doors and maybe do some stuff there. And yep. so um, where can people, as you begin to sort of find a new home and do some different things, where can people find you? Uh, the best place to do, look is on um, the Facebook. Uh, we're at u s dot s dot hephaestus h-e-p-h-a-e-s-t-u-s and to help you remember that if you forget the name hephaestus think of vulcan and look up the greek god of Uh, because (laughs) hephaestus is the greek god that's equivalent to the vulcan god or to the roman god vulcan and that's where the hephaestus name comes from we couldn't use vulcan even though we do have that metal gentleman that stands down <laughs> you know what we'll also put because that was a lot i don't know if i would remember any of that no. but i will tell you what we'll put your um we'll put a link to in the on our on our site where the podcast plays so sure thing i do want to say thank you so much for being here it's it was wonderful i want to say just really quickly you guys were so gracious and kind when i came to uh to, to the short circuit talk and you know really uh made me feel welcome so i appreciate that um fellow film lovers and sitting around a table was really fun and you guys were lovely and even offered me cookies and all kinds of stuff so thank you so much for joining us here and thank Um, you for hosting me sure thing we're glad you could come if i could say one thing please uh of course the next one is going to be a star trek but the second thursday in july is disney's Twenty Thousand leagues into the sea so if you enjoy that movie please come see us at the pelham library at 6 30 uh the second Thursday. I do not have the date on the top of my head, but it's the second Thursday. So count the first Thursday, the first Thursday of July, and the second Thursday, and uh, we'll be there. Perfect. That one's easy to remember. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. And now a look at what we're watching this week. So, what are you watching right now, Charlie? Oh yeah. So I watch a lot of sidewalk movies because I'm a programmer, and so I can't tell you about any of those, but I will tell you about the things I watch when I make myself stop watching programmed films. So the best thing on TV right now is what we do in the shadows. It is a show version of the movie made by, uh, I can never pronounce this director's name. You know, the guy who did Thor, uh, Ragnarok and, um, I feel like we need Corey to call in right now. Yeah, and we just do. Give us answers on the phone. Anyway, anyway, it's amazing. It's got 
Matt Berry in it. Um, it's got Mark Proch and there. The premise. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. What we do in the shadows. No, I haven't actually seen it. Okay, so it's a mockumentary movie right. about vampires who live in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And in the show, they've migrated to America to take over the land. Okay, but they they live in an apartment complex and they really haven't done it. Well, it's a house, but they haven't done anything, and they've been there for hundreds of years or whatever. And so. The show, uh, like the mockumentary style of the show, is a traditional, typical mockumentary, uh, you know, verte camera falling around. Pretty hard to shoot, I hear, because of the way the director wanted it shot. Yeah. But my favorite part of the show is that they do all of these really cool, scary effects really well. So all of a sudden it's like... You know, you think you're just watching like a handheld documentary and it's like, poof, someone turns into a bat like in the in the effects. <laughs> it's just really amazing. And so um, not only is it funny, but it's technically proficient and, right. and, and, and like on top of its game. Cool. Um, and so, I've not seen it, but, you know, I don't really watch episodic. Sure. Uh, not a lot, at least. But, yeah, it Matt, sounds cool. Matt Berry, you know, comes from like IT crowd and, and, and Dark Place and all these shows that just kind of made me uh, appreciate doing all of this a lot more. And so I always kind of follow everything he does. But cool. go see it. What we do in the shadows. Nice. Well, what I'm watching. Yeah, um, what are you watching? Is actually what I'm not watching. I'm, ch- I'm switching it up. What? Dad's out of town. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, at, to your point, we can talk very little, even though I might talk in a minute, but about something that's sidewalk relevant. But right now we're watching so much darn stuff that relates to the festival and trying to program the festival that we're not watching a whole lot else. Um, but I tried it was it's uh, even though this will be very dated when we release this, but I tried because it was Father's Day. They had re-released Field of Dreams. And so I was like, you know what? I've never seen Field of Dreams, which is weird. Is that weird? A little bit. Yeah. So I never saw it when it came out. It came out in 1989. Uh, never saw it when it came out. So I was like, I'll take myself up to the... I mean, that is the last thing my dad wants to do, by the way, on Father's Day is watch Field of Dreams. He would like <clears throat> major eye roll, uh, would not want to deal with that at all. So I'm like, but I went to lunch with him. I did that kind of thing I'm supposed to do. But then I w- drove to the movie theater and went to go see Field of Dreams. And it was damn sold out. Can you believe it? Four o'clock in the afternoon, Father's Day. I think it's because everybody's like, what in the heck are we going to do with dad? Oh, my God. Let's take him to go see Field of Dreams. So Again. anyway. Right. And so I get I like I was like a little bummed because I had that feeling of just like something I can't get into, even if it's I'm like what I'm really kind of bummed about right now is not getting into a Kevin Costner film. Just take your ass home. So I went home and I you know did some more screening for, for Sidewalk. But I stopped and I was like, you know, let me just let me watch this trailer for Field of Dreams because I need to see if I really want to try to fit it into my day when it screens again on Tuesday. So I watched that. That's what I, I'm what I'm not watching is Field of Dreams. What I am watching is the Field of Dreams trailer. Which, is the movie as bad as the trailer? Do, have you seen this thing? Uh, it's worse. Oh, man. If you build it, they will come. Is this, I can't, my whole thought when the, trail, when the trailer ended was, I cannot believe that somebody financed this film. Am I wrong? I mean, I'm sitting here talking about a film I haven't seen. That, I, I get that, um, you know, that's really unfair, but. But how many times have you seen that preview? No, I mean, that was really the, fir- that, I mean, that trailer is like the first time I've watched the trailer. I think I've gotten bored at the trailer before. You're good. Okay, so I can move on in life. I mean, I just kind of can't believe that that thing was made. Anyway, and then I thought, well, maybe it's deeper. Like, is this about a man going through a midlife crisis and like what that means? And is he like grappling with like the meaning of life and all this kind of stuff? Is that is that in there or is it just like so surface that it doesn't matter? Yeah, it's a bit more surface. It does not matter because there's Uh a situation going on about like, how you know, 
how to find th- what you need in life and all of this stuff. And so it, it you don't want to watch it. Boring. Yeah. You know what else is boring? Kevin Costner. Exactly. So we'll just be done with that. Field of Dreams. Didn't watch it. Bye. <laughs> it is my favorite time. It's time for What's This Shit? Every time I do it. Look, Charlie actually liked it. I feel like you liked when I sang that. Corey gets really angry. I love them each time. I think they get better and better. Yeah, I agree. I'm really warming my voice up, you know, headed headed in that direction of uh, 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 Ariana Grande. I think I'm in that same world. Um, anyway, okay, so I, I won't uh, belabor this point anymore. And that is that uh, what's the shit is the part where I go, this, this thing that happens when I go into the cardio cinema, when I'm working out, you know, at the gym. A workout is really kind of a funny thing to say about what I do at the gym, by the way. <laughs> I'm like on the treadmill at a snail's pace. I'm like a mall walker on a treadmill. Um what, I should just go to the mall, but then I wouldn't be able to bring what's the shit into this room. Yeah. So um, anyway, so whatever's on the screen, Corey is really kind of amazingly good at identifying it. And I know I'm not going to put that pressure on you because um, Corey has this like it's it's an otherworldly ability, I think, to, to do this. So I'm just going to kind of throw this out there. This is an easy one. See if you can get it. And then we'll kind of talk about it a little bit All because right. this is one of the more sort of acceptable, embraceable films that I walked in on the other day. Um, I walk in Billy Bob Thornton's on the screen and he's got those big pearly white teeth that are clearly fake as heck. And he's on a football field. So you know what this is. He's on a football field because it is, what is that movie? Um, oh, man. Um, you know Sling this Blade? <laughs> it's Friday Night Lights. He's in that movie? He's, oh, wow. Okay. This is like the opposite of what happens on What's This Shit. Corey would normally, by this point, have read halfway down the IMDb page from memory. Yeah, he's in He's in that. Um, and it's really good. I like Friday Night Lights. And so that's what the film was. It was Friday Night Lights. Um, and, and yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to let, I'm going to let Corey really shame you. Good. Uh, when he's back in town. But have you, have you, when was the last time you saw it? Have you not seen it? I saw it in pieces when I was like, when, when did that thing come out? When I, like in 1998? I don't know. Or something, but that's about Early when I... Early 2000s, I think. Yeah, that's about run. when I hated it the most <laughs> and, and, and maybe looked at it like for about five seconds. Oh, we could have argued about this in our five-minute fight because I actually think it's pretty good. It's, next it's, time. Next time. It's really fun because it's shot um, documentary style before all the... all, all You know, everybody started going that route. I mean, I'm not saying it's the first one to do this, but it's certainly before it became just this like sort of basis for, for episodic television. Um, and so there's a lot of focus searching and sort of... But it makes you really feel like you're sort of like a camera person on the sidelines at a high school football game. Um, and it's really wonderful. And then, I, I mean, I, I'm sure it taps a little bit into nostalgia for me because I actually for a very short period of time in my life lived in Houston Texas and um and it is it really you know sort of captures what Texas is like and and um how'd you bring that up I'm from a small town in Texas and it's probably one of the reasons I never wanted to see the show interesting Friday, oh you're talking about the show not the not I the, mean I mean the movie right in, either either one either one you just gotta get your distance from like, that. like I gotcha. so I was in marching band I was in a small town in Texas high school football is life so oh, yeah. So like, when I hear the trailer for Friday Night Lights, the movie, right? It's like every coach or teacher I never wanted to hear talk to me about how life, existence, and all of the things that I had no control over, right. Worked. Yeah, exactly. Well, it is a lot of Billy Bob Thornton screaming and and young men's faces. You're stupid. I'm remembering this now. I'm slow. It's slowly coming back to me. But I'm gonna revisit it for our five minute fight in the future. Okay, I like it. I think it's a good film, and that was what was playing at the Cardio Cinema. Awesome. All right, let's go. Big, big bucks. Today's my day. Let's go. Big 
filmmaker lightning round. Uh, that's that like no whammies, no whammies sound effect that Boutwell gives us, which, by the way, is awesome. I really, really love that. So I'm hoping that that's ha- still happening as I speak right now. Um, but Corey normally leads the uh, the filmmaker lightning round, and Charlie's here with us today. So I'm gonna um, I'm gonna lead the filmmaker lightning round, which means once again, shit show. Are you ready? I'm ready. So we decided that we would do a filmmaker lightning round on Jim Jarmusch, and I think that you like the way I said that Jarmusch. Jarmusch. Um, who um. I you know I'm not a huge fan of, but let's 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 go there. So um, I think Corey starts out by kind of asking, um, what what is your favorite Jarmusch film or film the director, but in this case Jarmusch film. Right. So personally, me Down by Law. Okay. Favorite favorite thing. I, I love Stranger Than Paradise. I love a lot of the other things, but Down by Law, it's got it all. It's got Tom. It's got Tom Waits. Yeah. Um, As all of his films do, though. Well, but 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 this but but down by law, Tom Waits and down by law is like it, that's true. Like uh, like what would you call that um, feature playing? Like act. Like he he got a you know he's the second build actor. Yeah, I gotcha. Know? I gotcha. No, um, that's fair. And and I just thought it was Tom Waits is perfect because he always waits for the perfect role for himself. It seems in anything he ever does. But that movie, I just love watching him in that and. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and slide a, my other favorite one in because yeah. I, and I know you only asked me for one, but but Stranger Than Paradise is equally as great to me for other, for the same kind of weird reason, and that's that you get this look into the early '80s in black right. and white that you know I will reveal my age was non-existent to me because I had just been born. So I get this. So I get this. <laughs> That's why you're able to reveal your age. So so I get this. Uh, so I get this really really cool look into this world that I have like weird vague memories of uh, growing from. You know, right. the late '80s and things like that. And um, the Muppet movie does this to me. But anyway, that's, yeah, a, that's yeah, an yeah, aside. Yeah. But but yeah, Stranger uh, Than Paradise and Down by Law both also have a very neat transformative aspect to them they take me away far far away it was they were two of the films that got me into appreciating filmmaking as an art and film criticism and just understanding why different films are made different ways just all of it like everything mm-hmm. independent about cinema i felt like at the yeah. at the time when i was 20 or whatever it was i was when i watched it it was like okay these movies th- this is the the, the world i want to i kind of want to inhabit I got you. I'm going to say something kind of controversial, and that's going to be that I, you know, I am so turned off now by Jarmusch. I'm so irritated by his work of late that I'm actually going to just sort of skip this one and say I don't feel comfortable kind of committing to what, you know, because I need to go back and I'm not suggesting these films aren't great. I'm simply saying that it's been so long since I've seen them and I just, you know, so much have been turned off by Jarmusch that I just need to, to sort of do myself a favor and go back and watch these are some of the early work because I do remember liking it. But I'm going to kind of leave it at that. And and we'll move on to the next question, which is, uh, I think Corey usually asks, um, what film uh, by Jarmusch uh, do other people like that you cannot really get on board with that you think they might be wrong? Ghost Dog. Okay. I can't stand it. It's and it's and it's in that middle of like where his his filmmaking begins to go from mm-hmm. very unique uh, personal language uh, that he's trying to invent down to just I don't know what he's trying to do anymore. Like it just feels kind of like it, it's in the middle. So that's the weird thing about that movie. Everyone really loves that movie. I just thought it was boring. 
I thought Forrest Whitaker was okay in it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And it and it didn't it didn't take me anywhere like his other film, like Night on Earth. Um, all of these other films before Ghost Dog, um, they just they they took you somewhere different. And the rest of the films past Ghost Dog begin to just kind of make a traditional film on the uh, kind of on uh, all the point, like hitting all the points a Jim Jarmusch film would hit in general. And Broken Flowers is the only exception. I really like that one, but that's a little different right. just because of the soundtrack and Bill Murray and it just seemed really great. But it's still it's still in the same wheelhouse of it's not anything brand new from the guy. I didn't see anything that like made me feel like this is somebody who's going to do something insanely great again right. later. And yeah, so Ghost Dog is the one that everyone kind of talks about you have to see first yeah and um i watched it first and i didn't like it and so i watched those other ones and i I fell in love so that's why i say that yeah i'm gonna go with only lovers left alive i really hate that film and i know uh, there's a lot of people like what is she talking about she's full of it right now like cursing at the radio one of our eight listeners is definitely pissed off um but i it it's shit y'all that movie sucks it's so on the nose it's uh, everything about i cannot tell you the number of times that i eye rolled in that film um, I just found it to be absolutely, absolutely terrible. Did you like it? Boring. Yeah. I, you know what? It was boring. You're right. But I think more than that, it was just so like pretentious and bullshitty. That's what I mean. Yeah. It, like he, he, okay. So again, he's really good at skating that edge of pretentious and not boring. Right. Until he eventually has just become boring. Right. And that's to me, the arc of his career. The, the Jim Jarmusch <laughs> retirement fund. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we'll move on to the next one, and then we'll get rid of... We'll just move past this dude. I'm sorry. I mean, this is like one of, one of the all-time great filmmakers on the planet that I am talking shit about. Um, but that's okay. Nobody listen to my ass anyway. Um, okay, so the last question is, what fil- what Jarmusch film should you watch again? Would you like to watch again? Yeah, uh, what is it called? Limits of Control? Yeah. Um, mainly because it was one of the... It, it's in his later career, and I thought... I, I love this actor. I love everything going on. It does have a transformative feeling like it's, it's kind of, you know, take you somewhere. But at the time, I don't know if I was screening. I don't know if I was doing production work. I don't know what I was doing. But when I watched it, I was bored out of my skull. Right. And so I want to give it another chance because I remember loving the colors, the colors in the film and just like it was different. Yeah. And for him and um so yeah, the limits of control is the title. I'll I'll go back and and watch it. Yeah, and I'll go back and watch. I, I mean, like I said, like a lot of his early work, I probably need to go back and watch Down by Law again, uh, Dead Man. Right, I would watch again. Uh, uh, Crispin Glover and Dead Man is amazing. Yeah, that scene, that scene just haunts me to this day. Yeah. So, so stu- he does stuff like that, and right. it's great. But uh, then he then he does other things. Yeah, exactly. And so and then the other thing is I haven't seen the new film. What's the title of the new film that's out? Oh, zombies. Blah, the zombie blah, blah, thing. Something. So, but I want to watch it. Well, and I that don't. Looks, and that seems completely different for him. I want to watch it for other reasons. Like it just seems like it's just going to be a popcorn movie. Have a good time. Maybe. It's not, I don't. Hmm, I don't know. I bet he's going to try to be like oh, I'm smarter than you. I, I, what I will <laughs> what I will watch is the trailer again because the trailer is like an SNL skit of casting. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, Gomez, Chloe Sevigny, like it's just like a damn joke movie. Anyway, I'll watch that trailer again. I'm, I'm watch maybe, that trailer. Uh, I'll watch the movie. All right. So now it's time for Kyle's Corner. Kyle McKinnon is a features programmer for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. He's going to take a few minutes to talk about whatever the heck he wants to. 
Hi, I'm Kyle, and I'm a programmer, and I currently have the song A Return to Innocence by Enigma stuck in my head. That's because I listened to it on Saturday one time, and it's probably the first time I've heard it since I was in high school. And it's been stuck in my head since Saturday. Today's now Monday, and it's it's getting to the point that it's a little it's it's getting a little hard for me to just kind of do even do work. Um, so if anyone here has any tips on getting this out of my head, please let me know. If if hopefully it won't be still in my head by the time that you're listening to this, um, but it, if I, I'm any suggestions are welcome please email me at kyle at sidewalkfest.com to let me know how to get enigmas of return to innocence stuck out of my head. Uh, another thing I'd like to ask for some help on is um, there is a book in my elementary school library, and I've been thinking about it lately because it's. I think it is widely responsible for kind of how I turned out at least in some regards it's but I don't know what it's called and but I'll do my best to describe it it's a very gruesome kids book about horror movies that was full of photographs it was definitely published by or before the mid 80s just based on the movies that were featured in it um, a lot of them were from like the late 70s slasher movies, stuff like that. Um, I What I can remember is that I checked it out of the library and took it over to a friend of mine's house and his mom got really mad at me for looking through it. And I hid it from my mom. But this was in our school library for crying out loud. Anyway, I remember, um, I remember there was a photograph of a bunch of of vampires dressed up like in tuxedos like they were at a a formal or some sort of formal banquet and they're standing around a, a man who was held upside down suspended upside down and they had a like a tap in in his neck like like almost like a um like you would tap into a cask to get the wine out and then they're one of them was filling up a cup from this guy's neck um Another image I remember is from the movie Prom Night, and there's the, um, and Rachel, you remember, there, I think it happens like on the cat, there was like kind of like a catwalk thing and like a guy's head rolls out onto the floor. Okay, yes, yeah, uh, that, there's just a close-up photograph of that guy's head on the floor. Uh, and, and the other thing I remember vividly is um, a photo from the movie squirm from the late 70s um and it was the uh that's a movie where um like all like millions of man-eating worms come up from the ground to to kill everybody to eat everybody and so the photograph is of a man a a, a corpse with his like flannel shirt pulled open to reveal his chest cavity completely filled with what really looked like snakes to me. I think I've seen the movie before, um, ha uh, and I think it was supposed to be worms. But it was a really, really gruesome sight. You can see part of his rib cage, and it's just the cavity is just completely filled with these little squirmy guys. And so, um, 
Yeah, I've been trying to kind of revisit a lot of my past <laughs> to try to figure some things out. But that that one is, uh, I, I spent a considerable amount of time flipping through that book. And, and I remember, I mean, it was just very, very gory. And uh, I was like eight or nine years old when I was going through it. So if anyone has any idea, it was hardback. It was hardbound. And um, I think it was mostly black and white photos. Um, the cover was in color. I think the cover was kind of gory, too. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was published by Fangoria or something like that. So, um, yeah, help me figure out uh, figure out what this is. Just email me at kyle at sidewalkfest.com. This is Help Kyle Find Horror Book. I'm Kyle McKinnon. Thank you. Kyle McKinnon is a feature film programmer for the Sidewalk Film Center and Cinema. So uh, our new segment, one of my, becoming quickly one of our favorites, this is Film Minute with Charlie Brown. Today, I'd like to talk to you guys about the movie Popeye. This movie was released in 1980. It was directed by Robert Altman, produced by Robert Evans, had a soundtrack by Harry Nielsen, and in his first film role, Robin Williams played Popeye. If you know anything about these guys, you know they all have a history of some pretty serious drug and alcohol use. Robert Evans was actually arrested for buying coke during the production, so when you put them together, there was a lot of bad behavior and clashing egos and people threatening to quit. And in an interview years later, Robin Williams said, it's almost like being a veteran surviving Popeye. Altman wanted to get as far away from Hollywood as possible to make this film, so he was very intent on keeping his creative decisions his own, and his production far from the people and the studio execs that were paying for it. Harry Nilsson felt the same exact way. So he and Altman ended up in Malta, which is a small island country in the Mediterranean Sea. The set in Malta was built on location and was actually bigger than the movie needed. So to serve the fictional town of Sweet Haven, the construction crew built a real town with 19 buildings, including a school, a church, a post office, and a recording studio for Nilsson, and living quarters for the crew. So when this film wrapped, the locals turned the set into a theme park called Popeye Village, which still exists today. Shelley Duvall, who played Olive Oil, had actually been bullied as a child by other kids, telling her that she looked like olive oil. She had just come to Malta straight from wrapping The Shining and says, quote, her head was in a weird place during this time. As Popeye, Robin Williams spoke in a mumbly style and it was a byproduct of having a pipe in his mouth. This turned out to be almost indecipherable when they actually tried to listen back during cutting, so he ended up having to re-record all of his dialogue in post-production. Popeye's muscular forearms were also a problem during production. Altman didn't like how they looked on camera, so they had to be redone. So to keep production moving, the costume department would put Popeye in a raincoat. After the production cost rose to $20 million, Paramount execs ordered Altman and crew to stop and return to the U.S. with what they had. Although the film grossed $60 million and the budget was only 20 and it was the second highest grossing film Altman had made to that point, it failed to meet studio expectations and was considered a box office disappointment and a huge flop for Altman, who ended up working on low-budget cable TV until he reemerged a decade later with The Player and then Shortcuts and so on and so on. And now, Fast Film Terms. 
So fast film terms. Fast film terms. Do it again. Fast film terms. Oh my gosh, you're so much better at that than I am. Fast film terms. Uh, That was just, you couldn't even hear it. Okay, so we're doing fast film terms. We've just spent all of our time talking about the intro to fast film terms. But uh, let's go. So, um, you know, there's walkies on set of a film. Right. So people can communicate. Yes. Um, You know, that's one reason. Just also because they look cool. So on a walkie-talkie, we all know what uh, 10-4 means. But um, what does 10-2 mean? 10-2. Yes. Okay. So I actually think I know this one. Do it. 10-2, when spoken through a walkie on set means someone has to use the bathroom and go number two. Wow. We told you this was going to be the sidewalk shit show, and it is literally the shit show. Whoop, whoop. So um, I've got another fast film term for you, and that is what in the world is sides? That's something that comes up a good bit, sides. Sides, right. So sides, I believe, because I have friends who have made sides, are pieces of the script that have to get written out and highlighted for the actor that they are only doing that day. Right. And that can come up in an audition too, right? So an actor can get sides like because they're going to be reading something for, for an audition. And so instead of giving them the whole script, you give them just a little excerpt, which is the sides. That is correct. Thank you so much for listening to Side Talks. We really appreciate it. Definitely. And yeah. And for sure, like for sure, y'all. And, uh, and here's the other thing. I got a deal going right now. And this is not a joke. I will give you a fresh, crispy $2 bill if you give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We are not above begging. We are not above bribing. We need that five. Is it five? Is that as high it goes? As I it think goes? it's five stars, yeah. yeah. So do that, and, I'll, and the next time I see you, or just sh- shoot me an email. I'll mail it to you. I'll mail you a crispy $2 bill. But you can email us at podcast at sidewalkfest.com. Use that hashtag side talks and answer this question for us. What movie would you like us to talk about on the air? And when I say air, I mean podcast, computer, whatever. There's got to be some that you like. So thank you so much for listening. This is your own cinematic Katy Perry and Taylor Swift, or as I like to say, Katy Swift and Taylor Perry. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.